You're about to enter the most electrifying NFL talk show you have ever experienced. From up-to-the-minute news and notes to... Uh, who am I kidding? It's a wrap. Let's try this again. It's the After Further Review Podcast with Connor Forrest. Want to get involved? Send us an email to mailbag at connorforrest.com. For your questions to be read on air. All right, Johnny. I have an over/under for you here. If you uh, if you would like to participate, okay. Over/under. The feel like temperature. Is it over or under my age? So you're 23, right? Correct. Yeah, you're 23. It's gonna be under because <laughs> I know earlier today it was uh, where I live, which is not too far from where you are. The actual temperature I think was 25. Mm. So I'm. Considering it's nighttime, I'm going to say that it feels lower than your age. Yes, so you'd be correct. Uh, It is significantly (laughs) lower than my age, uh, and it is dropping. Uh, We're currently at 15 degrees as that feel-like temperature here in Ashburn, Virginia, which, you know, Ashburn or Bismarck, Sean. I, I, you know, we we talk about this all the time, Sean, is this, this, um, this juke move that the Commonwealth of Virginia do to his residents every year. And, and for some reason, we're in this deja vu style of Groundhog Day where each year Virginia residents try to lie to themselves out of what the climate really is over here in the Mid-Atlantic. Now, this counts for Maryland, right? This counts for, you know, southern Pennsylvania. Like, if you're in the Mid-Atlantic region, this, this D.C., Maryland, Virginia area, you're going to understand what I'm saying here. So, so try to keep up with me. If you're in Florida, you are living better lives than us all. And we have a humongous Florida audience. Uh, and every single time I open up my eyes, and it's not July, June, or August, um, I'm jealous of you. Where? I, no, who am I kidding? I'm jealous of you all the time if you live in Florida. If you have a Florida license plate or you've got a Florida license or you go to the DMV in the state of Florida, I am officially jealous of your existence. It's just how it is. I'm sorry. It's just how it's going to be. But every year we fool ourselves, Johnny, and you're a Virginia resident, so jump in when I tell a lie here. But something tells me <laughs> you're not going to be jumping in because there will be no lies leaving my mouth. Here's how this works. <laughs> Halfway through September, it's essentially still summertime. Like people want they want the seasons to progress immediately, right? After 4th of July, you start working your way into August, and then bang, dude, the second week of August hits, and since people go back to school, we just want everything to be brown, orange, and yellow, and red, right? You just, everybody wants to, we, we just collectively stare at the trees and wait for something to fall, right? And so in September, 
when the leaves are falling, people go, oh, it's fall. Look, look, it's, we're going back to school. The fall, the leaves are, 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 you know, falling off the tree. And you're going, no, they're being singed off the tree because it's so hot. Still, it's September and it's still 96 degrees because that's what September is. October is not cold either. October gets chilly in the evening times. We're talking, you know, low 60s, upper 50s. But I'd say it really sticks around that 60 degree territory for a majority of October. By the time you get into November, you're talking a lot of rain. We get a lot of rain in November. And the temperature starts to dip to probably like 48 degrees. And it's going to be about 48 to 50 degrees all the way through the Christmas season where we bundle up because we're watching Elf and because we're watching Jingle All the Way and because It's a Wonderful Life is on, we put on six levels of coats and then you step out the door with your mittens on, you realize, wait a second, it's Christmas Sunday and it's 66 degrees. So that's what happens every time it's Christmas. And then in the first week of January when nothing has changed, we all, you, you hear it in Costco, you hear it on the street, you see it at the mailbox, at the water cooler, Arr. Boys, it's going to be a very mild win. No, it's not. No, it's not going to be mild. <laughs> Stop the nonsense. Because January comes and Mother Nature front hand and backhands us in the face and goes, no, no, no. No, 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 no. I'm Shaq at the rim. I'm going to stuff your mild winter right down your gullet, and I'm going to hit you with a 22-degree day. And by the way, Shawnee, looks like Sunday we're going to get pounded with more snow. And apparently the I week saw... after that, more snow. Oh, really? I didn't know about that. But Correct. yeah, on Sunday, I saw, I think, five to eight during the day, Sunday day. And then Sunday night will be another one to three inches, I think, which is good. Because I've always said, if it's going to be cold, if it's going to be in the 20s or teens or whatever it is, it's got to snow. Yeah. I mean, you can't you're, just you're have right. windy and, and freezing cold. You, you got to have snow because snow's fun. School gets canceled. Work gets canceled. It's uh, it's much more uh, friendly that way, I would say. Yeah, I mean, this is this <laughs> is what cold makes cold You're right. I mean, but this is what makes levels of elevation when you're in the mountains, when you're out west, when you're in Vail, when you're in Park City, when you're you know up in Buffalo, where the the lake effect snow is. It's literally its own weather system up there. Uh, you know, you get you get snow. You know, two three days a week. It's just kind of what it is in the wintertime because that's that's just how it is. Um, we don't get that. We don't get that. Some winters you'll get pounded with snow. Other winters, you'll get two snow days. One on Halloween when all of a sudden randomly it gets freezing cold. And then the other time in February when we're all just staring at each other, the Christmas decorations have been down for a month, and then it starts snowing. You're like, wait, what's going on here? All the while, Sean, everything's brown. Everything is glazed <laughs> and brown. There's no green. There is no warmth. My lips have been chapped for two straight months, dude. I do, I, I, I've said this to you before. I said these to you before the show started. You could give me a five-gallon bucket filled with Burt's Bees. I could drink it right now, and I'd still have chap lips. I don't know how much Burt's Bees I have to buy for it not to uh, – now I know. I know you health expert, experts out there are going to tell me, oh, you just drink more water. Oh, well, you need to be hydrated. Stop the nonsense. Enough. I don't drink water enough. I don't drink quarter as much water as I should in July. And by the way, I'm bebopping and scatting. My skin feels great. My lips feel great. My heart and soul are great. January, February, March, the worst months of the calendar year, Shawnee. They're just the worst mm -hmm. months of the year. I don't, I don't know what Especially I mean. March. This just March is the worst, dude. What is? Tell me, tell me anything to make you look forward to March ever. The end of March. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just like we're we're two months removed from an actual holiday. We're probably a month and a half removed from actual warm weather. Oh, and by the way, I'm looking out the, the window. It's still brown, and it's still freezing cold. Uh, and then your car is just covered in salt and sand. I mean, is there anything better than a clean car in the summer? 
Anything better? No. 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 I mean, dude, you are Michigan Jay frogging to your car because it's clean. You got the tire shine. You got the sunglasses on. The windows are down. Don't wash your car for four or five months in Virginia. I mean, literally, when when it starts getting cold in you know mid December, if it starts getting actually cold, if you, if you start getting the January cold in mid December. Don't even touch your car for three, four months because it's just going to be covered in VDOT sand and salt that they just, I mean, dude, is there anything VDOT loves more than putting Miami Beach on the roads? I mean, just more salt and more sand than you can possibly imagine. And it still doesn't matter because 95, you're stuck on for 18 hours. Why? Why? I don't know, Shawnee, maybe I need some therapy. I don't know. Yeah, need some warm weather. Need some Florida. I know, man. You Florida listeners down there, you want a show on the road? You liked our Arlington show on the road. I got a lot of feedback from that, Johnny. Just you wait. Just you wait, Henry Higgins, till we get a show in Marco Island, Florida. <laughs> I mean, just you wait until until we are moonwalking down 95 to Jacksonville and then down to Fort Lauderdale <laughs> and, uh, my God, swan diving onto a cruise ship. I'll do a show from a cruise ship. I mean, come on. Let's get oh, a, yeah. let's get a couple solid donations out there, and me and Sean will do you all the favor of doing all of our shows from cruise ships. Sound good? <laughs> that yep. sounds good. I think that's a good plan. So that's what we'll do. Um, I haven't even introduced a show, and we're ten minutes into it. I want to apologize for that. You hear that man's voice? That's Shawnee Olette, my executive producer. Shawnee boy, how the hell are you? I'm a good man. Fantastic. It's great to hear your voice as always. Connor Force. After further review returns, we have. Dude, we have so much to get to. I mean, we have so much to get to. Um, week 18 review. We've got a wild card preview to do. We've got Black Monday uh, has has come and gone. We have coaching vacancies all over the place. Um, I mean, just so much to get into. So I'm going to lay this out for you and, and try to make it a little easier for you guys. Tonight, we are going to get to our week 18 in review. We're going to go through each of the games in week 18, give you our takes on each of them. Uh, and for teams going into the playoffs, we might give you a little tidbits here and there, what to watch for. Um, we're going to do our playoff breakdown more in depth for a Friday episode, right? So you're going to get your episode on Friday. You get this on Wednesday. So as these words are going into your AirPods, your earphones, your uh, speaker, your radio, uh, I don't know if somebody is translating this for you. We're, however you are getting the words that are leaving my face, you're going to be hearing them on a Wednesday if you're hearing it live. And then on Friday, we will get you our playoff preview. We'll get you our coaching vacancy review. Um, we'll get into all the good stuff. But for now, we're going to give you a little, I don't know, maybe half hour, 35-minute episode. We're going to go through week 18, give you the uh, recap on, on what you need to know going forward. Um, you'll have that under your belt. And then we'll be back right in time to preview some awesome playoff action. Shawnee, is there anything I'm missing? Anything that no, I man, dropped I think ball? that's... Uh... I think that's kind of the game plan for this week. And then obviously after that, uh, we'll have playoff games that we have to review playoff games. We have to look forward to yep. uh, just depending on what teams, you know, do what in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, but are you ready to get into it, man? Week eight, first ever week 18 in the NFL. Let us do it, my friend. And guess what? We're starting on a, what on a Saturday. Yes. There were two Saturday games. Ooh, alrighty, Shawnee, give so, it to us. Yeah, we'll go in order here. So let's go ahead and start with the Chiefs and the Broncos. 
They were the first game on that doubleheader Saturday. Uh, the Chiefs won the game 28-24. I believe they were down. They, they were almost down by 14 at one point. Uh, the Broncos were really putting together a really nice drive. Uh, had a fumble that was returned for a touchdown. Ended up uh, losing the game again to the Chiefs 28-24. Chiefs are in the playoffs. They are the two-seed. Broncos are not in the playoffs, finishing with a 7-10 record. So, Connor, let me just get your thoughts on both the Chiefs and the Broncos. Obviously, we'll be seeing more of Mahomes and the Kansas City squad. Yeah, I mean, you know, going to that fumble play, Shani, I mean, is there a play that kind of encapsulates the Broncos season in one uh, with, with Melvin Gordon getting absolutely destroyed in the backfield by, of course, a former teammate, uh, Melvin Ingram. Um, he fumbled it, and, and rookie linebacker Nick Bolton returned it all the way for, for six. Uh, and, you know... Again, it's it was the Broncos putting themselves in an uphill battle. Um, look, we say this every week. What's your goal each week in the NFL? It's to go one and zero, right? It doesn't matter how you do it. Um, I, Washington uh, week two against the Giants. Like we stumbled and stubbed our way into beating a, a division rival who clearly outplayed us that one week. Um, but we found a way to do it because in the NFL you only get so many games, you only get so many opportunities. You got to show up and win. Um, Look, the Chiefs won, but let's be clear, it wasn't very pretty. And and I, I I think they enter the playoffs with a couple more questions after Week 18. Uh, I, I think you're clearly better than the Broncos. You should have gone out there and won. Uh, but the Broncos, for the most part, I felt like were controlling tempo of the game. Like the Chiefs started out with a 7-0 lead. They blow that, and they're now down 7. It's it's 14-7 to at a point. Um, you know, the Chiefs offense do what the Chief, Chiefs offense tends to do and that's just score points right but but Tyree Kill suffered a heel injury pre-game warm-ups um he wasn't able to handle a full workload you could clearly tell he was on some sort of pitch count throughout the uh, day it wasn't really his typical performance and then on, on a key third down at the very end of the game um you know it it sounds like it, it's not as bad as it initially looked but Travis Kelsey left hobbling off the field uh, ESPN had described that as a hip injury um I know Andy Reid had said it wasn't a big deal but you know, former NBC Sports Washington uh, and the late uh, great Rich Tandler, uh, who was such a fantastic writer. What a, a wonderful guy he was, too. Uh, we miss him terribly. But he always said something that stuck with, I mean, just about everybody who worked in D.C. media. Because he'd been saying it for years, and he had covered you know, the Redskins at the time uh, for years and years. Uh, he always, always said... Don't listen to what players and coaches say. You just got to watch what they do, right? You just got to watch what they do. Because a lot of times you'll, they'll say what they want. Darius Geis, who obviously is not even in the league anymore, was an up-and-coming running back for Washington. Um, and in the preseason where he were playing the Patriots, uh, he rolls his, his leg up in a very awkward way. Yeah, at the end of the game, he comes literally jogging up to the, uh, to the podium during a press conference. He's got a lollipop in his mouth. He's literally walking around the locker room perfectly fine on a torn ACL, and uh, he would not play for the rest of the year. So you just never know with these things. I'm not saying Travis Kelsey's you know, a humongous issue, but you, you always have to watch what these guys do. So during the week, keep tabs on that because the, the, obviously the, the, the bread and butter for the Chiefs is that offense. Uh, and this year, while they have just kind of returned to their old form at the second half of the season, they've still been spotty. And the last thing they need going in uh, to a full slate of playoff games, especially playing now not on a bye week, you're playing on wild card weekend, 
is injuries. But look, I think this is the end of the road, obviously, for Vic Fangio, who's now out, uh, and Drew Locke. I think he's his uh, road is now coming to completion um, with the Broncos. And going into the offseason, I think the Broncos are, are just going to have to rethink exactly how they approach this offseason. They need to stop adding more defensive guys. They need to stop pretending that they need another wide receiver. They need to find that quarterback. You've got to You've got to give everything you can to find that quarterback. And John Elway just hasn't had it, right? Peyton Manning comes in at the tail end of his career, and he brings you a Super Bowl. He got you, you know, got two appearances out of him um, and won one Lombardi trophy. But they just haven't seemed to get a grasp on that quarterback position the way that they have to. And they've got a good enough roster to do it. They are what the Washington football team are supposed to be. So they just got to go find that quarterback. And it, it, it starts immediately. Um, now they're going to be going to get a new head coach. So I think that is 1A, 1B, 1C, and that's kind of it. Go get your quarterback this offseason. And if it means you got to go get Aaron Rodgers, if it means Russell Wilson becomes available and you go make a move for him, make a move for him. But the Broncos are too good to be wasting away the talent they have uh, on their roster, and their clock is absolutely ticking. But, uh, yep, I mean, listen, you go, you win for Kansas City, and uh, we'll see how that ends up progressing itself throughout the uh, playoffs starting this weekend, Johnny. All right, let's talk about that Cowboys-Eagles game. Cowboys, big win, 51-26. Both teams in the playoffs. Eagles will take on the Buccaneers, so no easy task there. And then the Cowboys are playing the Niners, Connor, correct? Yep, that's correct. In, uh, yes, the in 49ers. AT&T. Yep. In AT&T, uh, in Jerry's world. So who, uh, not who, but uh, what were your kind of takeaways from this game? Obviously, a lot of points put up by Dak and the uh, Cowboys. Yeah, it's you know, it Dallas did what they they did. I mean, they 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 do what they do well, right? Their offense is their bread and butter. But I'm just gonna say this, and I know it's gonna upset Dane. I get it, but I don't care. The Eagles are the 2020. <laughs> sorry, well, I'm I'm very sorry, Dane. I, I could care less because I, I I hate the Eagles. I'm I'm so sorry. I have to say that again. But they are who we thought they were, right? They are who we thought they were. We let them off the hook. The reality is, the Philadelphia Eagles are the 2020. Washington football team that's what they are they're a team who have been able to take advantage of a weaker schedule they're a team I, I I'm I think that's pretty well coached I think Nick Sirianni is a decent coach I I, I, I but again I, I've seen enough awful out of the Eagles this year to make me realize they're not going anywhere in the in the postseason I know they're running in to Tampa Bay that's no easy feat but they're not going anywhere anyway their defense is not good enough um, their defense is absolutely not good enough on any level. Now, listen, I know this Dallas game is not a huge indication on what the Eagles are because they rest a lot of their starters. They're just a, a gutsy team that plays hard. They're, they're devoid of talent. They're devoid of talent on the defensive side. Um, I don't think their offensive line is half as good. And the reality is, is when Jalen Hurts is not playing on a tempo or playing on a rhythm or playing where the Eagles are controlling the timing and tempo of the game. He's not a guy you can just put the ball in there in, in, in his hand and, and he can make comebacks and he can make, you know, tough franchise quarterback throws. Is that anything against him? No, it's just who, he, you know, what he is. That, that, that is just what he is. Um, so, look, for the Eagles, did they rest starters? Absolutely. You're an NFL franchise and, and you allow somebody to come into your house on week 18 when you're trying to build some sort of momentum going into the playoffs because it does matter. Momentum into the offseason does not matter, right? People like to make that up and say, oh, week 18, even if you're not going to the playoffs, end the season and go into the offseason with momentum. It doesn't matter. A third of your roster is being overturned, so none of it matters. This does matter. 
you, you letting your arch rivals come into your stadium on week 18 and put up 51 points, it doesn't matter who you're playing. It doesn't matter who's on the field. Um, but you had an entire stadium full of Eagles fans who paid their money to watch their team get absolutely horsewhipped. Um, that was not fun for anybody involved, and it was not fun to watch. Um, I think Dallas are up for a pretty tough task. We're going to get into that on Friday's episode. Um, I'm just going to warn you, Dallas, don't overlook the 49ers. They're not a team I think anybody's really wants to play right now. Um, but I think for Dallas right now, if they can remain, if they can do what they did in week 17, if they can remain a, a, a two-tone offense, if they can run the ball well, if they can get Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott going for 100, you know, 50, 160, 170 yards combined, if they can get the ball moving on the ground and take that pressure off of Dak's shoulders, their offense is one of the best in the sport. Um, I just have questions about Dallas' defense in the last few weeks. I, I, I've got some questions there. I really, really do. So we'll see. That's going to be interesting. But for Dallas, I mean, you, you can't do more than putting up 51 points in Philadelphia. On uh, I don't know what I just said there. I, I don't know how I just said the word Philadelphia, but it was not the way I should have said it. <laughs> it was close. Yeah, it was close. you know, it was just kind of one of those, you know, those words that you start speaking and they, you kind of just stop trying. And it's subconscious. Mm-hmm. You just kind of let it fall out of your face. Um to what I did there, and I want to apologize to our, our listening audience and my mother if she's listening. It was embarrassing. <laughs> All right, so fifth, 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 we'll, we'll go take on the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, exactly. if that made any sense. <laughs> yep, that's exactly All what right. I said, too. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about the Packers losing to the Lions in Detroit. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Connor, it seems like the Packers rested uh, some some of yep. their starters. Um, they have the number one seed. They, they were going to have the number one seed anyways, I believe. Uh, but still the loss, uh, 37-30. Uh, for the Lions, though, you now get the second pick in the NFL draft next year, or this uh, this April 2022 pick. Uh, so let me just get your thoughts on the Packers going into the postseason and then the Lions. Uh, you know, again, they're, uh, they're right up there towards the top of the draft board. Dude, I think the Packers should feel as good as anybody going in there right now. They They – they came and they, and they did exactly what they needed to do in Detroit. Um, losing week 18 doesn't matter for them. You've got that first round by. You've got the opportunity to rest. Um, sit on the couch. See your competition and rest. That's all, that's all that really matters. And Aaron Rodgers, for the few drives he was in, looked really sharp. I think he threw a pair of touchdowns um, as well. I want to focus here a little bit on the Lions because the Lions are – they're a team that – to me, they're a team that that went three thirteen and won the right way. I, I really it sounds weird to say that because they're obviously one of the worst teams in football, but they did it the right way. Where it didn't seem like any of these games they got completely and utterly annihilated. Like this, this was not a Jaguars bit. Um, you know, when, when the Texans at points Carolina when Sam Darnold was playing bad. Like this, this is not a, a team that just rolled over. And you can say what you want uh, about Dan Campbell uh, and so much joning, so much, so many people calling him archaic and, and kind of weird and, and just kind of a football guy. His team plays, man. His team plays each and every Sunday. You just see it in their faces. Um, and, and Sunday was was a really, it, it was really funny uh, how, how kind of Sunday played out. I mean, there were trick plays everywhere. A line scored on a seventy-five yard reverse wide receiver pass. Um, and an, an end around flea flicker in the third quarter. Um, it just, I don't know. It's just fun. I mean, it's fun to watch. And, and, and I think you can clearly tell that the team buy in 
on Dan Campbell. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown is uh, has ended his his season in, in a really really good way. And, and again, the Lions are about to trip themselves right into another fantastic receiver because they just seem to churn out receivers. I, I don't know what it is with the Lions, but they just do. Um, whether it's Kenny Galladay or it's Marvin Jones, you had Calvin Harris or Calvin Johnson, obviously. Um, Amonra St. Brown is just about to add himself to the list of Lions receivers that are going to make an impact in years to come. Um, DeAndre Swift um, is is absolutely a, a, just another fantastic offensive piece. Um, Jared Goff is who he is. You knew that the Lions were not really going to be competitive with him, um, so they just need to spend their time this offseason again investing in a quarterback, and that's what a lot of these bottom feeder teams that have not that are not playing rookie quarterbacks they just have to focus all their energy in on. Um, I'm talking about Washington. I'm obviously talking about Denver. You're talking about the Lions here. Teams that are not good, that just need to get that quarterback situation figured out. And you feel like when they do, and that's a big win, they're going to take that next step up. Because I do think Dan Campbell's got something fun building there. Packers did what they needed to do. um, Came in. Starters played well. Pulled them. They got that one seed. um, And the Lions leave with a victory and a little bit of fun going into the offseason. All right. So moving on to that, this was, uh, Connor, this next, next matchup was one of the just bizarre games of Week 18. Really a heartbreaking loss for the Colts. I know mm. last week, if you listen to our podcast, I gave you a trivia question, which was when was the last time the Colts went to Jacksonville and got the win? Yeah. It was 2014. We kind of laughed it off. We said, yes. oh, well, you know, you know, Jacksonville, you know, what worse this year than they have been uh, the past however many seasons since 2014. Jaguars won 26-11, to 11, and it wasn't even close for the Colts. They're out of the playoffs, Indianapolis. They had a chance to get in with a win. Now they're not in the playoffs at all. Uh, so let me ask you, number one, what the hell do the Colts do after this? Because that was an embarrassment. And number two, the Jaguars, again, they have the number one pick in the draft, obviously looking for a head coach. Just give me uh, your thoughts on both of their off seasons, which for the Colts is coming cl- uh, sooner than they thought. Dude, it, it just... You know, I said the other, um, I don't know if it was an episode ago, I don't know what it was, but I listed to you what you thought the most disappointing teams in football were this year, right? Was it the Vikings? Was it uh, Cleveland? Um, is it the Chargers now, knowing what we know? Um, was it Washington, right? It, Washington came in and they were such a disappointment defensively. Taylor Heineke ended up being what we thought he was, but defensively they were super disappointing. Um I didn't really think I'd put the Colts here because I just felt like we had cleared this. Um, I think the Colts kind of blow this out of the water. I really think they're the most disappointing team in football this year. Um, I, I, I couldn't believe what I was watching. Uh, Shawnee, the Jags won the game from the start. Completely mm-hmm. from the start. 26-11. Um, uh, to 11. Uh, it, it was just a beatdown. Uh, like, it just... And it was one of those games where, again, we've seen this week after week. We, we said this a lot with the Chiefs when they were struggling at the start of this year. We're just waiting for the Colts to kind of go, wait a second, we're the Colts. What are we doing? And Jonathan Taylor to rip off a 68-yard run. Uh, Carson Wentz was sacked six times. I mean, how good is that Colts offensive line? And they were completely mauled. The number one team in the league at generating turnovers is none other than the Colts. The worst team in the league at generating turnovers are Jacksonville. And Jacksonville won that turnover battle two to nothing. Um, was there any hotter team three weeks ago than the Colts? Um, Carson Wentz, since he was drafted, Shawnee, has 66 fumbles. 
66. No. That is Thanks. unbelievable. I mean, unbelievable. Um, you know, Carson Wentz fumbled it twice. He, he recovered uh, two of his own fumbles. Um, Jonathan Taylor was held to, uh, you know, 77 yards. Um, you, you're right. I mean, it was 2014, right? The last time the Colts won in Jacksonville. Um, but, I mean, I don't know, Sean. I mean, it felt like the Colts were building up to this year being their year, right? It, it felt like this was the Colts building up to the big one. You make that trade for Carson Wentz. You feel like when he's healthy, he's something that defense has played very opportunistic. That offensive line is obviously a staple, one of the best in the league. Um, Michael Pittman stepped up into being a true number one receiver. I, I don't know, man. I don't know what to think. I mean, this this really, really is a gut punch for the Colts going forward. I, I don't I don't really know what to make of it. I mean, it, it's really funny. There's there's not much breakdown to do when a team just shows up and doesn't perform. They just didn't perform. I mean, they, they literally yeah. choked away an opportunity where if you were to tell the Colts, hey, guys, week 18, it's a win and in against the worst team in football, the literal worst team in football, a team that now uh, gets back-to-back first overall picks uh, as finishing as the 32nd team in the NFL this year. Um, and you blow that opportunity? I, you know, there's not much more to say. I mean, I don't know how you wrap your head around it. Uh, for Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence um, – Closed that his rookie season with some, with some nice optimism. Um, he looked good on his feet. Uh, he looked good rolling around in the pocket. He made some pretty good throws. Um, but I, I just couldn't believe that the Colts were so dominated at the line of scrimmage the way they were. Jonathan Taylor completely stymied at one point an MVP candidate um, and now very clearly not that anymore. Um, I don't know. I don't know, Sean. I mean, just so disappointing. I mean, so unbelievably yeah. disappointing. But, um, you know, what can you say? I mean, you you – when it matters, when the chips are on the table, you got to show up and play. And we always talk about mm-hmm. this as being in football going into the playoffs. It's playing the, the your best football at the right time. That's all it is. I mean, the, the, the times that I remember watching in 2012 with RG3, they were bad for the first half of the season. They really were. And they go on a 6-2 six, six and two run in the final eight games of the season. They rip off six in a row uh, to... Uh, to uh, win the NFC East uh, with RG3 in that electrifying 2012 year. Same thing in 2015, same thing in 2020. Uh, Playing hot at the right time matters, right? It it just does, and and sometimes you can just kind of luck your way into finding some success. Um, The Colts were just the opposite of that. I mean, what an unbelievable way, uh, just, just a crash and burn to end the season. Really just so devastating. I can't even imagine being a Colts fan. Yeah, uh, unfortunate for the Colts. Oh well, uh, no love lost there for Shawnee. The six hundred. Yeah, no. If you, if you meet their fans at the six hundred level, uh, you're happy that they lost and they're not in the playoffs <laughs> because they're all terrible people. All right. Uh, speaking of terrible teams, the Giants. I'm not going to tease your your Washington football team or whatever the hell they're going to be. Uh, which, by the way, if you saw if you follow us on Instagram, Shawnee no, I'm not gems. even going to get into it because. I, I dropped a hint on what I think the team is going to be, and Connor and his brother just ganged up on me and made fun of me uh, forever. <laughs> um, so we'll share that story at some point. Hopefully not now. Um, but the the uh, Giants uh, only put up seven points against Washington at home. Obviously, they're not making the playoffs. Finished four and thirteen. Washington, despite all the rants that Connor went through, they finished seven and ten. Uh, kind of got hot there, then a little bit cold, but finished the uh, season on a high note. 
Yeah, and you know, I, I mean, this game didn't, you know, whether we won a hundred thousand or nothing or got our doors blown off, it 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 really didn't matter much uh, in the scope of things. Um, couple takeaways. I mean, uh, Terry McLaurin uh, and Antonio Gibson both passed the thousand yard mark in rushing and receiving in the year. Um, you know, and, and they're you know they're they're shining lights on the hill uh, for Washington, and that's a big thing. Twenty twenty two is going to be a humongous year for Ron Rivera. It, it really will be. Um, and it's not that I I don't trust him or I don't believe in him. I, I do believe that he's a good coach. I I do believe that he can can lead this team to you know back to winning ways. Um, and when I say back to winning ways, I'm talking back in the early '90s because that's the last time we were actually winners. Uh, just so we're aware. Um, just so you guys didn't confuse us for winners. But um, you know, it's simple for Washington. It's it, it's really simple. Ron Rivera is a guy who brings men together. He's a leader of men. He really is. And guys will always play hard for Ron Rivera. Washington aren't very good. They're just not. They're devoid of talent, um, I think, on the offensive side. Uh, and, and what they have invested very strongly and hasn't panned out. Curtis Samuel did nothing this year. Um, this last draft has not panned out whatsoever. Jamin Davis is very, very little impact for Jamin Davis. Um Obviously, Deami Brown, uh, very little impact. Uh, Sam Cosme's been good. He he's had some serious growing pains as well. I think our fourth round tight end has been our most impactful draft pick. So our last draft did not pan out the way it should have um, by any stretch. Um, and you know your your massive offseason addition in Curtis Samuel does not work out. You're bringing in Ryan Fitzpatrick on a one year deal. He doesn't even make it through the half of week one. Um, you know. At the end of the day, we can talk all we want about Washington. Um, we can talk all we want about the defense and all about the nicknames for Chase Young and Montez Sweat and the Alabama wall and whatever garbage nonsense you want to come up with. If this team does not have a franchise quarterback, it, none of it matters. Like, none of it matters. Like We can talk until we're blue in the face. If Taylor Heineke starts you in 2022, we're going to be back here saying the same thing. It's not against Taylor Heineke. He's a great backup. He's not a franchise quarterback. That's just that's just what it is. Um you know, he wasn't very good at all in New York again. Um, I think he threw for 120 some odd yards. I don't even have the stats in front of me, but it just, you know, a bunch of air out of the balloon is really what it is. Um, if there was any air left in it, um, Washington are going to dedicate and they've got great cap space, which is great. Um, everything into getting that quarterback this offseason. And I think Ron Rivera knows that that is the only key right now to shifting any sort of momentum um, and lucking your way into an NFC East when everyone sucks uh, and, you know, having one fun game against Tom Brady in a wild card round with a cool, you know, quarterback nobody knows, that's a great story. And you can sell some T-shirts doing that. Uh, you're not going to build sustained success. And that's what Washington's going to be doing. Um, God willing, knock on wood, when uh, I don't have to call them the Washington football team anymore, and they can get a name, and we can throw that era out into the garbage <laughs> and burn it uh, and start something new. Um, so that's what I'm excited about. Um, and I know when that name comes out, we're going to get into all the good stuff. But um, I'm hoping that this new name is a new era that we can we can ring into um, and hopefully bring bring some more positive uh, positive change to, to D.C. Uh, for a football team that's just been god-awful my entire existence. On this planet. Uh, speak of God awful, the New York Giants are a joke. Um, they are, I think I'm, it's probably safe to say, not safe to say, they're significantly in a worse spot than Washington is. Cap space wise, culture wise, uh, their GM quote unquote retired. Uh, no, he did not retire. He was forced to retire. Um, 
And Joe Judge, as of today, was essentially bullied by social... The Giants were bullied by social media into firing Joe Judge, which is astonishing <laughs> uh, because he was not fired as of the other day. There was no inclination to fire him. There were, in fact, reports that came out that said Joe Judge is retaining his job. Uh, and then he has a meeting with the owner today uh, and uh, the ties are cut, which obviously means that John Merrill was just sitting there on Twitter um, twiddling his thumbs, saying, oh, wait a second, people are saying mean things about me. Let's go ahead and get rid of Joe Judge. Um, they're a tire fire right now. They really and truly are. Um, this game was such an – I mean, and I know it went around social media, so everybody saw it. But Washington pins New York back inside their own five. I was believe it was inside their own two, <laughs> Shawnee. I saw this. And they yep. run three quarterback sneaks in a row. Like on a third oh, and, and on nine. Third and nine. Yeah, on a third yeah, and nine yep. from like <laughs> from like the three or four yard line. They they run they get into like a victory formation and run a quarterback sneak. In in probably one of the most embarrassing things I've ever seen on a football field. And and I I truly mean that. Like I watched Miles Garrett take Mason Rudolph's helmet off and try to hit him with it. Like I watched the Eagles bench starters in an attempt to get better draft position against Washington. Like, I've seen that before, too. This was so unbelievably embarrassing because just sitting back there, I watched, and I went, hold on a minute. This is the NFL. Like, these are professional athletes. Shani, this is like the one, the top, the 1% of the 1% of athletes on our planet, and you're telling me that you can't throw a pass. Like, you're telling me that receiver you paid $17.5 million for a year in Kenny Galladay can't reach out and dive for a ball that's just at his fingertips? That, like, I know Jake Fromm is garbage. I'm aware he's not an NFL-caliber player. I get it. But can he not, like, throw a ball? Like, is a bubble screen? <laughs> a, like, can you not hand it off? I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't believe what I was watching. But... I know everybody was saying, oh, this is a sign that the offensive coordinator doesn't trust the offense, or this is a coaching staff that doesn't trust their ability to move the ball. This is way beyond the ability to move a ball. This is way beyond, oh, I, I can't trust my offense to make plays. This is a, I'm quitting, and I'm out of here. That's what that was. I, I, every commentator, everybody with a blue check mark was like, this is clearly the uh, Giants... Uh, coaching staff has zero trust in their offense. No, zero trust in an offense is on a third and 12 doing a draw play. That's zero trust in an offense. I quit is what Joe Judge did. And unfortunately, he got fired for my liking because I would like him to retain there his position so the New York Giants can continue to suck. But to my chagrin, he was actually fired. It was just an embarrassment, Sean. I mean, it was an embarrassment from start to finish. Um, they are, are in a cap they're in a cap, just hellhole right now for cap space. Um, they've got a couple draft picks coming up via trades, uh, but I, I got to tell you, man, if you're the Giants, I don't, I don't really know where you go from here. So many questions about Daniel Jones. Saquon Barkley went from, uh, I mean, a guy who would just put the team on his back and change the game when he had the ball, to a dude who you can't even tell the difference between him and, and Devin Booker. It's un it's unbelievable how far New York has fallen. Um, a team who hasn't made the playoffs since 2015, so just unbelievable. Um, but Joe Judge is the first Giants coach to ever lose 13 games in a season, which you know that's just 
unbelievable. So, yeah, it was a yikes, yikes man. Big, giant yikes. But Washington going to the offseason, uh, hopefully the football team, the whole quote-unquote football team nonsense is left behind us. After the season, we got a new name. And the Giants are in a whole bunch of trouble. Whole bunch of trouble, Johnny. And I'll just offer a little explanation on what I was talking about. I posted on Instagram, which if you don't follow us, please follow us on Instagram. At after that I read an pod. article at After Further Review Pod. Yep. Also on Facebook, Twitter, all that fun all stuff. But stuff. I posted on uh, on Instagram that there was a lead that the team may change their name to the Washington Admirals, which is in their final list for a team name. There was an NBC Sports reporter, a, a local uh, Washington reporter for NBC Sports, who typed in WashingtonAdmirals.com and it forwarded to the Washington website. I guess he, he tweeted it out and they, uh, they ended up changing it to something else, whoever owned that website. Uh, Connor's brother then just gets on me on Instagram and just berates me for like 30 minutes straight um, about uh, how if you type in Washington itchy spiders, it also directs to the <laughs> Washington football team. Um, all I'm saying is I just I repeated what I read in an article. All right. So don't get mad at me. I just put that out there. Just, if it's the Washington Admirals, I'll get the final laugh. If it's the will. Washington Red Hogs, the rest of the world will get the final laugh. <laughs> um, although nothing, nothing, Connor, will be stupider than the Cleveland Guardians, in my opinion. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so we will see. February 2nd, we will see what the new Washington team name is. Which, by the way, Washington football team is still in the mix to become the permanent name. I don't know if you knew that, Connor. Um, let's hope that doesn't happen. I hope they do get a name preferably Washington Redskins but that's not going to happen um, yeah I mean listen, right. it's, it's better <laughs> all I can say is it, it's better than these these minor league baseball team names you know the Akron rubber ducks <laughs> the Lansing lug nuts I'll take it man <laughs> I, I, I like it way yeah. better than the Lehigh Valley iron pigs yep yeah oh man all right go admirals all right so I can get the last <laughs> laugh all right, we have a bunch of more games to get to. Uh, this one, let's not spend too much time on this, Connor. We got two teams, the Bears and the Vikings, both of them looking for a head coach. Um, after this uh, this year, uh, they both fired their coaches. Uh, Mike Zimmer we saw coming a long time ago. Same with Matt Nagy. Uh, just your thoughts on both of these teams heading into the offseason. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, there's not too much uh, to go with this. I mean, Mike Zimmer and Matt Nagy both out as head coaches. So, look, I... I think for Chicago, uh, it's all about that quarterback position, right? Something they've been trying to fix for a long time. Um, I'm just going to say this for Chicago. They can't do to their next coach, whether that's Doug Peterson, whether that's Eric Bieniemy, whoever it is, they cannot do to their next coach what Washington did to Jay Gruden. They cannot come into this season and say, we have this system, we have this Justin Fields, make it work. This new coach has to come in and find something that works for the both of them. It can't be a, this is what Justin Fields is, make it work. It can't be a coach coming in saying, this is my offense, let's make Justin Fields fit into this offense. They've got to play this and toe this line very carefully because this is the difference between Justin Fields' career going one way or the other. We watched this with RG3, we watched it with Dwayne Haskins, and Dwayne Haskins was significantly less talented than RG3 was. But I'm saying this from experience in D.C., it's a very, very thin line to toe. And I think Miami is going to start dealing with this as well with Tua. But I think with Tua, it's a little more cut and dry. They got to figure that out. Because Justin Fields is now single-handedly the most important thing uh, in Chicago going forward. So whoever that is coming coming in, 
Um, now Ryan Pace is also out as general manager. They got to get a general manager and a head coach in that both have uh, good chemistry, but both see that quarterback position and value it the same way. Um, so important. And for the Vikings, I mean, such a disappointing season. I mean, there's just no excuse for the Vikings to be as bad as they are with the defensive talent they have. Um, I mean, you, have, you, you go from Adrian Peterson essentially to Dalvin Cook, um, best running backs in football. You, you've, you've just had nothing but great receivers from Stephon Diggs to Adam Thielen uh, to Justin Jefferson. And Kirk Cousins has been a really good quarterback um, for the majority of it. It just doesn't make sense how they haven't been able to put it together. Um, this next coach can't be a defensive-minded coach. I mean, you've tried this with Mike Zimmer. Um, stop, stop goofing off. Like, let's stop goofing off here. Get an offensive coordinator in there. It, you know, Kevin Stefanski was that offensive coordinator. You felt like could have rolled his way right into that head coaching gig. They decided to roll with Mike Zimmer, um, and clearly the wrong call. Uh, so get yourself somebody in there offensively that can get creative uh, and try to, to, to open up that offense um, and, and just unlock what the Vikings have. Such a disappointing team. Uh, but going into the offseason, I mean, look, you take a win, um, but a lot is going to be changing in Minneapolis, and it should. It really, really should, Sean. No no excuse for them to be going 8-9. and nine. All right, so let's go ahead and move on to the AFC. So we have the Tennessee Titans taking on the Houston Texans. Uh, Titans ended up getting the win by 328-25. They are the number one seed in the AFC. The Texans head into the offseason Nice and early, as we anticipated. Obviously, that Deshaun Watson situation still hanging over Houston. Um, just give me your thoughts. Number one on the Titans being the top dog in the AFC, and then the uh, the Texans offseason. What do you see there? Yeah, I mean, look for the Titans. Uh, they're they're a team that has just survived this season. Um, they're the number. They they are the number one seed despite not having a thousand yard rusher or a thousand yard receiver. And they've also, in November, Sean, broke the record for how many players they've used on their roster, um, just with injuries, decimated by injuries. But they're just so well coached. Mike Vrabel is such a good coach, and they're getting healthy at the right time. Um, it was a scare. Don't get me wrong. It was a scare. Um, but they found a way to uh, to squeeze that out that victory um, after the Chiefs win, um, which means that the AFC runs through the Music City in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, for Houston, I mean, the whole question is just Deshaun Watson. It's Deshaun Watson 10 times over. What is the word with that? What compensation can you get for him? He's clearly on his way out of Houston. So what compensation can you get? And what do you do with it? Um, where do you go with that quarterback? Do you go get a veteran? Are, are you, you're kind of in this Washington standpoint here. At 4-13, and 13, you're going to have a decent draft pick. Um, so do you go with one of these rookies? Do you, do you, you know, what's the play? I mean, do you, do you ride with Tyrod Taylor? I don't think so. I think Tyrod Taylor is a backup. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't know about David Culley. I, I, quite frankly, I don't know about his ability to coach. Um, I, I don't know what the future looks like for Houston, but I do know that like most of these teams, and you're going to hear a theme as we go on here, most of these teams that are entering into their offseason a week early are in need of that guy behind center. Um, and I think Houston, funny enough, have it, um, but they're the, one of the rare teams that for offseason or for off-field issues – are shipping it out and uh, trying to, to get something back for him. So we'll see, Shawnee. But uh, for Houston, all eyes are on number four there. All right, let's get into a really good game, um, one that defined Week 18, and that was the Pittsburgh Steelers getting the overtime field goal to beat the Baltimore Ravens 16-13. to They 
and we'll get into this later when we talk about the Sunday night game, slip into the playoffs. The Steelers, Big Ben's not done yet. He's going to the playoffs. Ravens are out. Ravens did not make the playoffs. Connor, is it just me, or was there a team in the NFL that had more promise than the Baltimore Ravens but could not finish it, could not get into the playoffs because of because of injuries? Yeah, I mean, and that's the problem, though. That is... What seems to be, I mean, and look, it, there's no team that was more ravaged by injuries than the team we just talked about in the Tennessee Titans, and they just kind of make it happen, right. right? They just make it happen. They, they find a way to do it. They find a way to, to have their replacements. And, and look, Tyler Huntley played well. I mean, the guy loves to fumble. Don't get me wrong. Um, but uh, I, this game was, was a really fun one. It, it, don't get me wrong. It was. But we talk about Lamar Jackson and his game style and the way he plays and his longevity and how can he stay healthy. And, and in key games at the end of the season where you so desperately needed his presence back, um, he couldn't do it. Um, and was it his fault? No. Did he intentionally destroy his own ankle? No. But it's what we talked about with the Ravens, right? It, it seems as if the watching Lamar Jackson, it's a ticking time bomb for an injury. Um, and... It just really, obviously, a very, very disappointing season for Baltimore. To lose to a Pittsburgh Steelers team that, that you know, I don't think are very good, to be totally honest, and I, I fully expect to get mopped this weekend, um, come into your house and win uh, to, to get themselves into the playoffs is just, it, it's tough. It's really tough. Um, it's tough for Baltimore. Um, but look, man, against all odds and their own offensive struggles that they just cannot get out of their way. I mean, look, Ben Roethlisberger is just a shell of himself. He, he, it's an amazing story, and, and you love to see him end his career on such a high note. But you can so clearly – I mean, it was the same thing with, with uh, Peyton Manning, man, at the end of his career. You could just see his physical limitations. He just – he couldn't – he just couldn't keep up anymore. Um, they've had offensive issues all season long. Um, but – Look, man, they they came to life just enough time to erase a little bit of a deficit um, and come from behind. Uh, ben Roethlisberger uh, was, I mean, dude, he was just, I mean, he just couldn't move. I mean, he just cannot move in the pocket. But guys like Najee Harris um, and, and and obviously Ray Ray McLeod came in big for them. Um, pretty big win there for the Steelers. And, again, to continue that Cinderella retirement story for Ben Roethlisberger is big. I mean, for the Ravens, it's just obviously a really, really disappointing season where you, you felt like they were obviously Super Bowl contenders in the AFC, and uh, what you feared was unfortunately what took the train right off the tracks there, and that was uh, that was injuries. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's stay in that division, uh, Connor. We'll talk about the Bengals and the Browns. Browns missing the playoffs, finished eight and nine, got the win against the Bengals, who finished ten and seven. They're in the playoffs. Uh, just give me your thought, your thoughts on the Bengals. You know, they got the loss still in the playoffs, uh, still a good chance, uh, to win their first round game. And then the Browns said Connor this week that they're sticking with Baker next year. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to work. I, I, I don't <laughs> know. I mean, if he comes out and he looks as good as he did at points, uh, you know, during his second year. Uh, maybe I'm wrong here, but uh, I think there was a lot of blaming of injured shoulders that that I, I don't know how much were at fault for, for Baker's struggles this year. But look, a, a week of rest, really, I mean, for, for the Bengals, they, they had already clinched um, the uh, AFC North title. So it, it didn't necessarily matter, right? It was a seeding thing and, and who they were possible opponents would end up being. Um, 
you know, I think ending this season on a positive note for Cleveland, I don't know how much that matters. Again, like I said, you know, a lot of people will put weight in the, hey, end the season on the positive note and take it to the offseason. You know, a 30-year roster gets turned over, so it, it just – no one cares. You forget about week 18 the week after it happens when everybody is in Maui, uh, so no one cares. Uh, but, um, you know, Case Keenum stepped in, uh, replaced, obviously, the injured Baker Mayfield. Um, and the offense just still wasn't particularly sharp. Uh, it, it, it's clear that the offensive issues aren't solely the fault of Baker Mayfield. Just, just you know, just watching it and, and, and you know, performing the eye test, you can see. Um, but, but look, Case Keenum is, is a really good backup quarterback. I mean, he played here in Washington as a starter um, for a little while uh, before he really started to struggle. I mean, if you need him for, for two or so weeks, I mean, he's, he's a really serviceable uh, quarterback. Great arm strength and accuracy in the, in the mid to short range. Um, obviously a pretty ugly interception, uh, before the half, um, for, uh, for, for Case Keenum as the Browns were trying to continue to, uh, to kind of separate themselves, but 21 to 16, um, Cleveland going to the off season. Again, that big question is number six, it's Baker Mayfield. Um, and for the Bengals, it's, um, you know, you, you didn't get a bye week you win the division. So you're, you're going to be playing at home. Um, but hopefully their offensive tempo, uh, the consistency has been the big question with them this year. Um, just how consistent can you be? How consistent are you able? Is that offense able to go? I mean, we've seen stretches where Jamar Chase is obviously the best receiver in football, and then two or three weeks where he kind of disappears. So, what version of the Bengals are we going to get um, this weekend coming up? We'll see. But uh, Cleveland uh, leave the season at eight and nine, um, and the Bengals, despite losing, AFC North champions, Johnny. All right. So the second of three games that went into overtime, we're going to talk about right now. The 49ers, Connor, come back from 17 down mm. to beat the Rams on the road. They're going to the postseason. Just your thoughts on the Niners and then the Rams. I, are you concerned about them? You know, I'm kind of concerned about Matt Stafford a little bit. That's, yeah, I was I was just – he's throwing a lot of picks, That's isn't he? who I'm a little bit concerned about, Shawnee, to be honest. Because, yeah, Matt Stafford has a, has a habit of, of throwing picks – at a really, really bad time. Um, and look, L.A. pushed all the chips on in the season, right? It's all the off-season additions. It's the Von Millers. It's the Odell Beckhams. It's all the, the, the money. It's all the draft capital they've traded away. So, really, the, the, they're all in on winning a Super Bowl in L.A. Because that's where the Super Bowl is going to be, right? They, they want to play the Super Bowl at home. Um that that is that would be everything for the Rams, um, and that is everything for the Rams. But it seems as if it hinges a little bit on Matt Stafford, um, and the reality is the last few weeks he has not looked as as, as sharp as he needs to be. Um, obviously, an interception um, in overtime ended any chances uh, that uh, Los Angeles had at the number two seed, uh, number two seed rather. Um, so obviously disappointing, um, and Matt Stafford's you know interceptions are, are a humongous problem, and they're also the backbreaking ones, like interceptions at really really bad times. Um, the good news for the Rams: Von Miller has finished uh, with five sacks in the last four games, so um, he can really still rip through it. Um, and I'll tell you, Odell Beckham is still uh, he he the, you know second half of, of this season, especially towards the final quarter, um, he became a serious uh, asset for that offense. So. I think I, I really do see a lot of bright spots for the Rams. And I think when they're going, they're strong. 
Um, but Matt Stafford concerns me a little bit. And, I mean, dude, I just – you don't want to be playing the 49ers right now. And, and to be honest with you, it's odd that I'm even saying that, considering some of the things I've said about them at points this year. They're playing incredible defense. Um, Nick Bosa mm-hmm. is a game wrecker. Uh, their secondary has stepped up in a huge way. Is there any more electric player in football right now than Debo Samuel? I mean, Debo Samuel is the prototype of just a Swiss Army knife. I mean, he, he runs like a running back. He can be used in the slot. He can be used outside. He's you, you can throw a ball with him down the seam. He can make contested catches. He can line up like a fullback. Um, I mean, he, he's just – yeah. I mean, he's unbelievable. He's absolutely unbelievable. And Jimmy Garoppolo is—he's doing what he needs to do. I mean, is he—is he Aaron Rodgers? Uh, is he a game changer? No. Um, but in a season where you come in after the team drafts a guy fourth overall as your replacement, and you just show up and act like a consummate professional, dude, there's something to that, Shawnee. There really is something to mm-hmm. that. Um, and you've just got to tip your hat to Jimmy Garoppolo this season—the way he's handled himself, the way that he's played. Um, just a consummate professional. And they will be going down to Dallas. And, Shawnee, I want you to go ahead and look up. Um, you might be able to, to, to pull it up while I'm talking here. Uh, 49ers fans in Dallas. Um, there was a hysterical post that I saw um, earlier today of, of Cowboys fans, like, pleading to not sell their tickets this weekend to 49ers fans. Uh, because as you remember, yeah, I found it. Yeah, 49ers, uh, the 49ers had played um, in Dallas uh, at some point. I believe it was earlier this season, uh, if I'm if I'm not wrong. And it was a sea of red, dude. It, it was. If you see the pictures, it, there were just just tens of thousands of 49ers fans. I mean, it was 60 40 49ers fans in Jerry World. Those guys travel. Those 49ers fans travel, and they make some serious noise. Um, and it was like that in L.A., if you don't mind me interrupting. Please. If you watch the game, it was way more 49ers fans oh, yeah. in Los Angeles. And I, I know both of those teams are relatively new to the L.A. area, uh, the Chargers and the Rams. So it's kind of – they haven't had the home fan support. But, yeah, I found that article – um, let's see. It was a Cowboys Nation Twitter account yeah. that said, please, in all caps, please do not sell playoff tickets to 49ers fans. And just scrolling through the article. Um, it's. I mean, I really do ask. I, I really would ask people who are listening yeah. to, to look up some of the some of the pictures uh, of, of 49ers mm-hmm. fans in Dallas, which is just un- it's unbelievable. Now, I'm used to seeing this in FedEx Field. I, I don't see. Redskins fans, Washington fans in FedEx Field ever. I don't see it because they don't they don't <laughs> show up. It's an awful stadium, but it's wild to see a really successful team with a, I mean, probably the biggest fan base uh, of all NFL teams in Dallas get just completely stampeded by 49ers fans. Remarkable, <laughs> remarkable. So I'm very much looking forward uh, to that on uh, on Sunday, Shawnee. Yeah, that's gonna be good, and I think uh, we should have a Dallas Beware label on that yeah. game right there. Uh, speaking of Beware, it looks like Tom Brady is still Tom Brady, uh, despite <laughs> all the injuries, all the off field issues with Ant- well, not actually off field, on field issues with Antonio Brown. Um, yeah, the Bucks big win at home against the Panthers. Obviously, not a great team, uh, but still to put up forty-one points, only allow seventeen is that speaks to themselves. And Connor, just talking about the Bucks real quick. 
are, and this is how I feel, aren't the Eagles the perfect matchup for the first round? I definitely think if so. If you're the Bucks, I definitely yeah. think so. Because what do the Bucks do so well? I mean, think about what the Bucks do so so well, and and what what the Eagle the Eagles have not they can't win a shootout. They don't do it. They can't win shootouts. Um, so when Tom Brady decides to start putting points on the board, when Rob Gronkowski is matching up against an aging linebacker core, you know when uh, obviously when Mike Evans gets on his high horse, um, can Jalen Hurts answer? No. Is, is that I mean that off offensive line for the Buccaneers have been so good for multiple years now, um, and just dude Tom Brady's just so good. I mean he's just so good. Uh, he completed twenty one of twenty two passes, uh, thrown in under two point five seconds for a hundred and ninety six yards. That's the next gen stat of the game. Three touchdowns uh, and a hundred and forty three point four passer rating Sunday. Got the ball out quick. I mean and, and talk about. Uh, Byron Leftwich's ability uh, to, to to scheme up an offense. I mean, so, so impressive. Um, but Tom Brady finishes uh, the 2021 regular season uh, with 5,316 passing yards, the third most in NFL history. Now, I know he gets that extra game, right? So that's kind of a little asterisk there. Um, but 43 passing touchdowns um, and the most completions, 485 in NFL history. Just, just refuses to age. Um, you know, for the Panthers, we'll just go right on back to that same conversation. They join the carousel uh, for teams looking for that quarterback. You know, they, they hope Sam Darnold will become something, um, but he didn't at all. Um, and, and for them, uh, what what does Matt Rule do this offseason? Um, I think he's now officially on the hot seat for next year. Um, Joe Brady uh, left midseason as their offensive coordinator. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. It's going to be really, really fascinating to see. But a lot of college guys that took over the operation in Carolina and so far has not panned out the way um, that they were hoping. Um, But, yeah, man, Tom Brady, I think you should feel pretty darn good going into this weekend, Shawnee. Yeah, I think so, too. And uh, real quick question, Cam Newton, does he retire? No, I think he'll hang around because I think some 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 team will probably take him as a backup. I don't think he retires. Um, I think he understands that he can still make a pretty penny. by hanging out as as a backup for a year or two i still think that uh that that's an appealing option for him yeah it makes sense and maybe playing some of those goal line situations yeah, with his, uh the threat that he has on the ground all right let's go over to the west we have the seahawks getting an eight point win against the cardinals now the cardinals have to play another nfc west team and that is the la rams uh just your thoughts on the cardinals and that rams matchup i think that's going to be a really really good game and then the Seahawks, I mean, they were the top of the NFL not too long ago, and now they're not in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's funny because Arizona have really kind of tripped their way now, unfortunately, into the postseason. Um, four defeats in five games and the regular season is just not ideal. Um, Kyler Murray was sacked five times, so he was running for his life the whole time. Um, look, you'll get DeAndre Hopkins back for the playoffs, and, and hopefully – that's a big difference maker for them. But the reality is, man, is is I think Arizona's big issue right now has to be on the other side of the ball. I really do think that Arizona's problem is defensively. Um, Rashad Penny was running all over the Cardinals' defense. Um, and that's, again, that's that's a problem. That's Rashad Penny. That's, you know, we're not talking about Aaron Jones here. That's that's Rashad Penny. Um he had a 62-yard fourth-quarter touchdown run 
Uh, finished the game with almost 200 yards on 23 carries, which, you know, I mean, he just had himself a day. Um, Cardinals got to get that just figured out. They just have to get that figured out, um, especially with, with the Rams on the schedule. I think that Monday night playoff game, by the way, all in on that Monday night playoff game idea, by the way. Let, let's go ahead and keep that going. Um, dude, I don't know. I mean, they, they've, they've got to get the ball rolling. They've got to get their momentum back. They've got to find a way to get wind back in their sails because they, they are playing arguably the best team in the NFC on Monday night, uh, and it's a division rival too, so it's going to add just a little bit more juice there. Um, for the Seahawks, you put up 38 points. That's fantastic, but this offseason is going to be all about Russell Wilson. What does he do? Where does he go? How does this end? How does this relationship break off if so i mean we'll see but um russell wilson is going to be um anything and everything uh that that this team talks about uh for the next six months and uh, could really really change the scape the uh, the landscape of the nfl um if he uh, moves on uh to a new home all right i don't want to talk about it but we will (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Bill Belichick, December and January in Miami has just been historically a disaster. disaster, dude. That continued this year, this January. Uh, I don't know what the heck happened. The Patriots are giving me no confidence. Mm. Uh, I don't expect us to win against the Bills. I think our season's done for, which is crazy because three or four weeks ago we were talking about them going to the AFC Championship, potentially the Super Bowl. I, I mean, the, their defense looked like a completely different defense in the all the wrong ways. Uh, 33-24, Dolphins win. Uh, Dolphins, Brian Flores is out there. Um, they got to figure out Tua. Maybe they get Deshaun Watson. Who knows what happens this offseason. Give me your thoughts on the Dolphins first, and then uh, just talk about the Patriots, who are just – I don't even want to. Yeah. Oh, God. You know, it's funny, though, Sean. I'll start with the Dolphins here. I mean, the Brian Flores thing really, really shocked me. I mean, it shocked everybody, I think. Um, Really shocked. I mean, look, I I know a lot of journalists are just on their horse, uh, hero stomping around uh, for for Brian Flores. Um, I was still shocked by this. I mean, you can very clearly tell. I mean, this team plays really, really hard for Brian Flores. Um, They had all year. I think this really came down to Tua, though. And, and honestly, that is what this entire franchise... Unfortunately, Tua is the son to this franchise solar system. I and mean, everything has revolved around Tua and his development. Um, I think this whole Brian Flores thing didn't didn't come because of the fact that they were losers. Um, I think this came down to the fact that... Dude, I think Brian Flores just was out on Tua, and I think the ownership group out there, I, I think uppers in that franchise want Tua to work. They want to make him work. Um, and very clearly, this Tua experience is going the opposite direction that a lot of people were hoping. And, I mean, the bet of taking somebody like Tua who was hurt, that downside was, hey, if he's too hurt to, to go back to his you know Alabama days, um, that's what you're getting. And, unfortunately, I think that's what the Dolphins have got out of Tua. Um, but you know, for the Dolphins, I think they played hard under Brian Flores. Um, and I think they've got some, some talent. I think defensively they're very opportunistic and I think, um, they've got some, some players, but it just doesn't matter if you're rolling two out there and he's still looking the way he did this year. I mean, he, he, there's just very, very little promise there. Um, and I I don't know if there's much to build off of, uh, with Tua. I, I just can't. I can't see him being that guy you can build that franchise around. 
um, at least right now in, in, in his current state. Uh, I think he's just he's a step too slow. His accuracy is still a problem. His decision-making uh, is still slow, the way he progresses. And, and whether it's injury-related, whether it's a mental thing, I, I don't know what it is. But I do think the Brian Flores divorce that came down on Monday that shocked everybody really came down to how he probably saw Tua and the direction that he wanted to go versus what management wanted. Um, but it's just you know one of those kind of head-scratchers. So we'll see how that plays out. But, Shawnee, I and, – and, look, correct me if I'm wrong here. I – it's true. I've been skeptical on the Patriots the whole year, right? A very, very seldom when we talk, I've given the Patriots a ton of credit. Um, and it's not mm-hmm. because I don't think that they're a good team. I think they're a good team. I, I thought that the conversation of them being Super Bowl or whatever was laughable. But I just – there's something about them that I couldn't quite put my finger on – and I think it just took a little bit of digging into some stats, obviously, but just watching this week kind of made it a little more sense to me. I think Mac Jones is a guy you could build a franchise around. I think he's proven that more than enough this year. I think he's got a lot to learn, but I think he's very clearly a dude you can build a franchise around. His physical ability, um, the, the, his, his timing, the way he just looks like a professional quarterback – Head and shoulders above. Now, whether you want to give that credit to Josh McDaniels, to, to Bill Belichick, to the coaching staff, whatever that is, uh, he has by far been the best rookie quarterback in this class. And and by the way, everyone was laughing at that this last offseason. So, you know, for all the draft nerds who are laughing at, you know, Mac Jones being a good quarterback, I mean, they're eating crow at this point. But Mac Jones is 0-5 when the Patriots have allowed 25 points or more a game this year. Um, and 10 of his 13 career interceptions come when the Patriots trail in the game. So what does that tell you? It, it, it just, he doesn't have that knife in the drawer yet, right? He, he doesn't have that gunslinging ability to, all right, let's go do this. Let's go put up 35, 40 points. Let's go sling it out with the team that's kicking our ass. Um, I think the reason that the Dolphins got the best of the Patriots were that they were beating them in the trenches. Um, defensively, the Patriots, I think, have taken a step back the last few weeks, and the Dolphins were able to run the ball um, in, in a really, really heavy way um, that I haven't seen in a little while um, in Week 18. And that does not bode well for them going into the playoffs. It, it really doesn't because momentum is the big thing, right? The Cardinals are skidding into the playoffs. The Patriots, they're skidding their way into the playoffs. You, you go around the league and you'll see a couple of these teams that kind of are just stubbing their toe right into the playoff picture and you you're kind of confused as to how are these how is this going to pan out if the Patriots lose in the trenches um it's over it's over if Mac Jones has to throw 35 40 passes a game it's over he has to have a balanced attack now he's he's a rookie right he's a rookie he's learning on the job and he's been remarkable as the year has gone on but it's a slower process for him so you know, you can't have this guy have the ball and, and gunsling it down the field. It's just not who he is. Um, so if the Patriots want to do anything in the postseason, it's actually not going to be the first guy you want to look at is not Mac Jones. It's got to be that defense. It's got to be that defense. Because of the yeah, Patriots, if I it agree. goes into a shootout, man, if this is 35 points and you, you've got to match it with 38 or something like that, I think that the Pats are cooked. Am I wrong? Mm-hmm. No, you're right. Um, the only good thing I will say about Buffalo, and I think we talked about this a little bit before the show, is that the weather is going to be awful. 
I saw zero degrees in a potential for snow, which if you remember back, I think it was week 13 or something when we were up there yeah. uh, in Orchard Park. It the weather it was the worst weather game of the year across the NFL. There were wind gusts 40 miles an hour. Josh Allen couldn't pass it despite his arm. Mac Jones only attempted three passes. It was a just it was a running yeah, game. And the Patriots won 14 to 10. You're 100 percent right about the points. When we start getting flustered, when we go down 10, 14, 17 points, we saw this in Indianapolis, we saw this against the Dolphins, we saw this against the Bills when they came to uh, Foxborough. You're 100%. We, we cannot compete with them. We our, our offense is missing a quarterback who they're allowing to throw deep, which is fine. He's a rookie. I, I don't want him throwing Hail Marys every, every play. We're also missing a deep ball threat. We hope Nelson Aguilar would fill that. He hasn't. Uh, Johnu Smith has kind of been silent this year with yep. very few exceptions. Hunter Henry's been the best free agent that we signed um, uh, uh, on the offensive side, at least. Um, Kendrick, Kendrick Bourne has had some good catches, but nothing to write home about. Um, we're, we're, I, I've heard multiple announcers say we are one deep ball threat player away. We're one star receiver, one star skilled player away from being a really good franchise. And I think you'd agree with that because you, you get that player. You're, you're all of a sudden scoring more and more points each and every week. And, and you're able to win these games that are shootouts, just like you said. Yeah. Um. But yeah, man, it's going to be interesting. Buffalo. I think weather again, dude, kind of, kind of determines the outcome of this game. Yeah. If it's up there and Josh Allen can throw it, we're not going to win. It, it just, it is what it is. But if it's uh you know, a running game, and we can stop the running attack, which I don't have much confidence that we can based on uh, what Duke Johnson did down in Miami. But, uh, you know, you, you never know what could happen. Um, I trust Bill Belichick. I think we'll have a game plan. I think it'll be a close game. Um, but if it, again, if it starts getting into the 30, 35-point range, we're, our offense isn't built for that, unfortunately. Yeah, and, and honestly, um, man, yeah. once Mac Jones gets that club in his bag, where he's able oh, yeah. to oh. to make a, a come from behind, and dude. It starts with the first one, right? Get a come from behind victory. Mm-hmm. You're down 17, and you rip off 24 points in the second, something like that. Um, yep, dude. I, I the Patriots are are on the up and up, man. They're on the up and up. A couple things yeah. have to happen for that to be the case. But I knew watching mm-hmm. this year that just something off with them. There's something I don't buy, um, and I, I I think it, and it's not that it has. It's almost like it has to be 72 and sunny for Mac Jones to be able to comfortably take charge of a football game where he's coming right, onto the yeah. field and he's got a 10-point lead. He's got a 7-point lead, and they're able to run the ball. They're able to get Ramondre Stevenson involved. They're able to pass the ball. You know, we've seen that plenty of times. A hundred times yeah, this year, dude. We've seen that plenty of times this year against the Jets against yeah. uh the jaguars but that those aren't playoff teams no they're not the bills are they're not. we haven't seen that against the bills we haven't seen that against tampa 100 percent. Um, but we'll see what happens i i think it'll be close game um it, it's going to come down to the weather honestly yeah. it's going to come down to what josh allen can do it'll be a great one, um, which is unfortunately uh unfortunate that we can't you know kind of dictate how the game goes but it is what it is all right uh let's move on we got three more games to talk about including that probably game of the year sunday night football but two more before that Saints, Falcons, both teams missing out on the playoffs. The Saints, I think Connor had like a really slim chance of making the playoffs. Uh, they got the win, but they needed other things to happen. I think including a 49ers loss. Missed the playoffs. They're out. Uh, they head into the offseason. 
They got the win 30 to 20 against the Falcons, who once again lost at home. Uh, just your thoughts on these teams in the offseason. And I, I, I'm going to assume Matt Ryan's time in the NFL is coming to an end. Maybe not next year, but relatively soon. So do you think the Falcons make a move for a quarterback? I don't know. Maybe. I don't think they're in a forced situation. I, I think that they're probably able to ride the wave out and, 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 and try to build out a, a roster with a, a couple more offensive tools. Obviously, Calvin Ridley leaving uh, in the middle of the season, you know, with, with looks like that's going to be a parting in the offseason, that, that's a really, really tough loss for them. Um, but we'll see. I mean, for the Falcons, I mean, they, they just – I don't really know what they need. Um, I, I'm not quite sure. I know Matt Ryan has definitely regressed. Um, but I don't know if he's been the number one problem with them. Their defense is still terrible. Um, you know, when Fabian mm-hmm. Moreau is your starting quarterback, you know that's a problem. Um, that's just coming from one guy who watched him in Washington to another guy watching him in Atlanta who's just not good, unfortunately. Um, so we'll see uh, for the Falcons. I mean, for the Saints, it's just Operation Find Your Quarterback, right? You, you, you got Alvin Kamara going um, in the last uh, game of the year. You got him going towards the end of the year. You'll get Michael Thomas back next year. You just need you know, look, Sean Payton, man, it's the Saints. It's the Superdome. You got tools. I mean, it, you got an unbelievable fan base. Like, that's a very, very, very highly sought-after spot. Um, so I don't know if you're going to have as much trouble. I think you just got to go find it. Um, go make it happen. But without the quarterback, I think the Saints are just, you know, they're not in a great spot. Yeah, I agree. Uh, quarterback is definitely their priority. Um, let's move on to the Jets and the Bills. This was kind of an as-you-expect win for the Bills, 27-10 to 10 in Buffalo. Obviously, the Bills taking on the Patriots. Just talked about that. Jets heading to the offseason with a couple questions. Uh, just your thoughts on both of these teams. Yeah, um, you know, I don't know. I, the Jets' defense, I, I thought – I think both defenses showed out a little bit in this game um, in, in, in pretty good ways. And I know it's weird saying that with a 27-10 to 10 victory. Um, the Buffalo Bills, man, I think their defense is going to be what carries them through the playoffs if they're going to make some sort of run here. And I know Josh Allen is, is you know, the big story there. Uh, but I think their defense, the Bills' defense getting back to, to flying around the ball, um, winning at the line of scrimmage, uh, being a mismatch is going to be what, what, what carries them here. Um, it was kind of a, a weird day for the the Bills punter. I know that sounds kind of weird. Um, I don't know if you, you kept track of this, uh, Shawnee. Um, this is on, on NFL.com I was reading because I was watching Red Zone. I was like, wait, what's going on here? Uh, punter Matt Hack will need to clean up his form before the postseason or risk costing his team in a higher stake setting. He shanked first half punts of 21 and 23 yards, which is like, what in the no. world? Yikes. Yeah, I, I watched both it's of them, and I was like, league. what is what is <laughs> happening? That, that's a weird issue to have. Um, so let's hope the Bills' punting issue is not a problem. Um, but for the Jets, you know, Zach Wilson's got to come back stronger. He just has to look better, um, you know, having a year under his belt now. Going into the offseason, the Jets can get another good draft and, and, and continue to build – um, offensively, what does Robert Sala have in mind? I don't know. We'll see. But um, yeah, I think I think a lot of a lot of, of pieces needed. But I, I think I think there's reason for hope. I think there's reason for hope for the Jets um, and their fans who are, are desperately in need for it, Johnny. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's uh, ugh, it's a little ugly down in New York. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but we will see what happens with Zach Wilson. We'll see what happens with that franchise. I want to get on to this game. This is our final game. I know we only said this was going to be a 35-minute episode. Dude, did we We're say, on an hour and 17 I, it's minutes. It's just remarkable how many lies I tell. 
It's dude. I, know. I think every no, time I've ever okay. opened my mouth to say a podcast <laughs> will be an X length, it ends up being that length times three. I don't know what's wrong. With me. I should probably <laughs> shut my mouth saying that. No, hey man, week eighteen was very good. So there's a lot to talk hey, about. And also, Obviously, you know, Shani, we're giving 18. the people content. Cheers. Exactly. Yeah, we're not just uh, chatting about you know fantasizing about the Washington Admirals, are we? <laughs> God no! Please um, shoot me in the face. Yeah, we do no. that. Uh, all right, let's uh, – first of all, Connor, this Sunday night game, Chargers-Raiders, do you give it the game of the year nomination? Dude, I give it the game of the year nomination. I don't want to play the recency effect, which we all do on social media. We all want to say that we've seen the best and worst of everything. Dude, I think it was probably one of one of the best regular season games I've ever watched, honestly. Like, I, I, would, mm-hmm. I would really put this up there, um, and I actually – I might actually even put it over that Chiefs-Rams game because while the offensive fireworks in that Chiefs-Rams game was fun and it was just kind of hectic, um, what was on the line for that game? Nothing, right? This was so unique. I mean, dude, since 1974, the NFL have had 27 regular season ties. It's 27 regular season ties in 48 years. And... It was just fun. It was odd leading up to this Sunday night game how many times during the day that – and I don't know why. It was on Red Zone. It was on Fox. It was on CBS. Everyone was talking about it for some reason. Pittsburgh is in, barring a tie, right? And it seemed as though Pittsburgh's in, barring a tie. Pittsburgh's overtime win puts them in the playoffs, barring a tie. Now, I know that that was the technicality, right? But it seemed odd how many people were just kind of constantly acting like, oh, uh, what if they tie? You know, what if they tie? Um, so all over the day, you're just hearing this. And, and you're I'm, I'm kind of training myself to go, okay, a tie is not going to happen. Like, these are divisional opponents trying to kick each other's asses. Uh, it's a winning get in. No one's playing for a tie. That's not what's happening. That's just not how the NFL works. These, these guys, when they're on a football field, go into a different zone. They don't see the game the way that we do. They're not playing for a tie. And as this game progresses and overtime starts – for the first time in quite some time. And I really mean this, and I say that because I can't say it for sure. I don't remember the last time I was watching a game that was not related to Washington that I actually was, like, nervous about. Like, I was anxiously nervous about. And I don't know how to describe that. Like, I legit was stressed. Like, I, I I couldn't sleep afterwards. It was so exhilaratingly, oh, my goodness, what is going on? So much of the country is involved in this game because you've got people in Pittsburgh hanging on to their seats whether they're going to see the postseason. You've got people in Los Angeles and in Vegas who simultaneously hate and love each other, where they're in this odd fight of, I hate you, I want to beat you and go to the playoffs, but also I might love you because if we if we want to kneel this out, we can... It's one of those few times, Shawnee, where if you get into a boxing ring, usually whoever comes out with a bigger headache is the loser, right? Someone's raising their arm and the other person's all beaten up. This is one of the few times in a boxing ring where the ref tells you firsthand, guys, if you walk up and give each other a hug, you're both going to get a huge paycheck and both get belts. Like, (laughs) it's a weird bit where you're like, that's kind of odd. But that was legit on the table. And not only was it on the table... It was a. It became a probability with like two seconds remaining. I'm not going to go through the game yep. because most people have seen it. We've now had a couple days where everyone's just kind of talking through what happened. 
if you saw it, you know exactly what we're talking about. You saw how this game played out. You get to overtime. And it just kind of, as overtime now, that 10-minute overtime becomes a serious thing where that opening coin toss, you know, when the Raiders get the ball, a normal drive to go get a field goal is going to take three, four minutes off the clock. And then if the Chargers want to answer, they're going to take three, four minutes off the clock and get a field goal. And before we know it, in a 10-minute quarter, two four-minute drives leave two minutes on the clock. And now with only two timeouts, you know, each team has two, maybe you've used one or two, the clock's a legit factor. I mean, it was absolutely fascinating to see how that game played out. Um, I mean, so many storylines. I mean, first of all, Justin Herbert is unbelievable. I mean, the Chargers wouldn't go out without a fight. I mean, it, it was so fun that you almost forget how cripplingly disappointing this whole season has been for the Chargers. Um, you really do forget because of how much fun it was to watch for everybody not a Chargers fan, how disappointing and how upsetting that game had to have been if you're a Chargers fan. Um, Justin Herbert was 6-for-6 six six for 106 yards and a touchdown on fourth down. Can you imagine that statistic, Sean? 6-for-6, six six, yeah. 106 yards and a touchdown on fourth downs alone. Like, I mean, unbelievable. Um, they became the first team in the last 30 years to have six fourth down conversions in a game. That's via Sports Center. I, I mean, they got it was a slow start for them, but once they got going, it was just magic to watch. I, I just it, it was late in the game. The Chargers repeatedly forcing, and they were just they, they, it was first down incomplete, second down incomplete, third down incomplete, and before you know it, it's like wait a second, it's fourth and ten again. And he just found a way to do it. Um, Brandon Staley is probably going to have a tough time explaining the decision to call that timeout, right? Less than a minute remaining. Raiders just outside of field goal range. Uh, Staley wanted to apparently adjust his defense, so he calls a timeout. I, I, there's no reason for that. The, the clock is your is is your friend there. You let it run as much as possible. Um I don't understand why he was so confused about what to do defensively. Like the, the, the Raiders were not going to pass in any capacity there, right? I mean, there was just no situation the Raiders were passing the ball. You run the ball, you see if you get into field goal range. If you don't, you kneel it out. And of course, inexplicably, you know, Josh Jacobs gets seven yards on a third down where, you know, now he's in field goal range and one of the best kickers in the league this year absolutely demolishes um, a 47 yarder to walk off and win. Um, cripplingly disappointing for the Chargers. I mean, there's just no two ways around it. I mean, Brandon Staley, um, I don't I don't know. I mean, I don't know how you justify that. I don't know what other tools you need offensively and defensively for your team to, you know, I, I just, I don't know. They're just too talented for this, Sean. I mean, we say this about the Vikings and, and the Chargers have, have even more talent than the Vikings. I mean, Justin Herbert's one of the best quarterbacks in football, and there's just, there's absolutely no excuse for it. It's just um, unbelievable. But um, on the Raiders' side, I mean, a 2019 fourth-round pick in Max Crosby. I mean, he's a fourth-round pick, and he was demolishing the right tackle for the Chargers just the entire night. Wreaked havoc. Um, it, I, I, I just, you know, man, I don't know. I mean, and, and Derek Carr has just all year silenced critics. Um, he just, that's just 
all he seems to be able to do. Josh Jacobs played so well. Um, I mean, this is just such a testament, Shawnee, to this entire coaching staff um, for a team that have multiple dudes facing multiple life sentences. Uh, a, a coach who left is you know fired in the middle of the season. Um, just so many unbelievable unbelievable storylines that are panned out against the Raiders and they just find a way. Um, so, so, so impressive, Shawnee. I mean, just unbelievably impressive. Do I think the Raiders are going to do much in the postseason? No, I don't. Um, but what a testament to a well-coached uh, staff uh, led by a, a genuine true leader um, and a really good quarterback in Derek Carr. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I would definitely give it the, uh, the, the game of the year. Uh, at least a nomination in that. Um, but yeah, man, I'm with you. I was nervous about that game and I didn't even have a horse in the race. I was not a Steelers fan, Chargers or Raiders fan. Um, but just really exciting game. And I think just the perfect way to wrap up the season. Uh, so that is it, man. That is week 18. We are on to the playoffs. There are 18, right? 18 teams that we will no longer worry about (laughs) until the playoffs are over. And then we'll, then then we'll worry about them. Then we'll worry. Um, but dude, we're, we're on to the playoffs. We are, we are on, on to, to Cincinnati. 2022 playoffs. Yep. <laughs> we are on to, we're on to Cincinnati. On to Cincinnati, yeah. man. It's going to be great, Johnny. Well, um, yeah, listen, again, apologies for the lie. I think it's the only lie I told this episode. I, I might have told another. I don't know. Um, but, hey, listen, man, we're giving you the content here at After Further Review. We're just we're just not messing around. So, Johnny, thank you so much uh, for tonight. I appreciate you being here. And on uh, Thursday, you want to come up here. I got the fireplace rolling in the studio. We'll pour some bourbon, put on some fuzzy socks. Uh, we'll, we'll put on a chick flick. We'll record. We'll do our our uh, playoff preview and our, our, um, our Black Monday recap. Um, I mean, so much to get into. Uh, the playoffs are just knocking on the door, man. I mean, I am simultaneously so sad that football is over and so excited that the playoffs are here. I don't know how to feel. Um, but just so you know, however you feel out there, wherever you are, we're here for you, right? We're here for you. We're going to give you the content you need. We're going to give you the content you deserve. Um, but for Connor Forrest, for Shani Olette, thank you so much for tuning in to our Week 18 in Review. Postseason's knocking on the door, folks. So we will be back on Friday for your latest episode, for your latest news and notes. But for Connor Force, after further review is in the books. Continue to subscribe, continue to like, leave a five-star review. We appreciate you guys wherever and whenever you listen. We will be back on Friday. And as always, I will catch you guys on the other side. <laughs>